into feeling that sometimes, well, I don't feel like praising Him or I don't feel. He's the source of our strength. He's the strength of our life. Whether I feel anything or not, He is way worthy to be praised. He's worthy of all, of all of my praise. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Amen, God bless you, you may be seated so thankful you're in the house of the Lord this morning give honor to all of our guests so many of them across the congregation we thank God that you have chosen to be with us this morning amen I'm going to speak this morning and I as is my custom I send a text to our great music department to kind of prep them on the direction I think I'm going so that they can or I tell them a song that I think will fit so the altar will appeal and just make it all flow nicely. And I told them on this one, I said, here's what I'm speaking, I don't have a clue. Uh, I said, this is gonna be a little bit of a quirky message, but I think you're used to me by now, so you know that comes with the territory. Uh, so I'm gonna teach and preach and do a little group therapy and. We're just going to let the Holy Ghost fall is what we're going to do and let the Lord touch people's lives. There's some very peculiar things that we as humans do. We don't like not being able to explain or understand things. Being lost or being in the dark, they say. Not knowing something. Just not able to figure this out. There is that nagging question of why. Why did this happen? Why didn't that happen? Why didn't they love me? Why did they hurt me? Why did they say that? Why did they go away? Why? And there is something else we do to try to answer that question of why, and many times we blame. We blame a lot of people for the disappointments in our life. We blame people because of how life turned out. We even blame God. The reason we need someone to blame is because we're disappointed with the outcome. And the disappointment with the outcome suggests there's something wrong with who you are or where you are. And so the way we cope with the disappointment, the way we cope with the what ifs, the way we cope with the whys many times is to blame. Some of you are living with someone else's blame. We want an answer. We try to figure this out. So we blame someone when we can't. You may be in the line of fire, so you're blamed. Children many times blame their parents. A spouse blames their partner. An employer blames their employee. This happens in so many 
arenas of life. We can't figure something out. Something isn't right. We're disappointed. We blame. There's even sometimes what we would call secret blame. It's not verbalized, but there's just this underlying rumbling. You feel the effects. Some of the effects may be loss of intimacy, loss of closeness, that stilted love, depleted admiration. You blame someone for something that maybe they shouldn't even be blamed for, but yet we blame. We do this many times. It's just easier. It relieves us. I don't have to say I was wrong if I can blame you. I don't have to say I made a mistake if I can blame you. Or I can continue on being the victim. I can act a certain way because of what someone has done to me. Or I don't have to change or I don't have to take responsibility because they are the ones who caused this. Let me make a very powerful statement that may not be easy to hear. As long as you assign blame to other people, you can never regain control. I'm going to attempt to deal with this concept of blaming and talk about two separate groups. Some of you may play both of the roles, but I'm hoping the end result will be the same for both. I want to help those who continually blame so they relinquish power and you won't move on and move past the problem. I also want to help those who are sitting here with guilt and with shame, with weights of condemnation because you're being blamed and you accept that. Whether something happened to you, whether you did something, whether it's your fault, whether you are a victim, the blaming, the accusations, the staying where you are, the repeat behavior, the entrapment, it has to end and God is going to help somebody in the building this morning. I've spoken on this biblical account before and it let me do it again. John chapter nine, if you wanna flip open your Bible, you can just scroll through as I talk about this. Tells us this account, Jesus was passing an area as his, on his way and he, Jesus and his disciples, they happened to just see this man that was blind and for whatever reason, they knew he was born blind, had been blind a long, long time and he had always been that way. This blind man did not cry out as other people in the Bible talks about who they cried out, Jesus have mercy on me. He didn't ask for anything. It seems like he didn't even talk to them. Jesus and the disciples happened to be walking by and happened to see him. And here we go with the human attempt to answer the question, why? And if we can't find a good enough reason, we blame someone. Since the disciples didn't know why this man was blind, let's go to the second phase of the phenomenon. And they asked Jesus who was, who was to blame. Master, who did sin, this guy or his parents, that he's born blind? All I can think is, were they within earshot of this poor guy? The disciples standing there, let's discuss this man as if he weren't here. Who are we gonna blame for this situation? We need to attribute blame to somewhere so we can file it correctly in our little craniums and so we're going to do this by blaming and attributing blame to someone. There's got to be a reason. 
I can only imagine the blind man standing there. He didn't do anything to draw attention to himself. He didn't yell out. He didn't ask them to try and figure out his plight. Bottom line, this man had a real issue. And because they didn't know the why, and they needed to figure it out, they decided to blame somebody for it. Here they are, just frivolously talking about something that has caused this man, this man pain and distress. And since that isn't enough, let's blame him and drag his parents into our accusations also. They don't know this man. They don't know his life. They don't know all he's gone through. But let's just blame him. That's the easiest thing to do. Or what in the world gave them the right to make the assumption about this man's parents? They know his parents. It seems not much has changed from Bible times until now. I'm going to be a smart mouth, but everybody's an expert on everybody else's life except your own. If you would have done that, that wouldn't have happened. If you would just act like that, that'd fix your problem. If you'd say this to them, whew, they're straightened out and everything, be perfect. If you'd say that, then this would happen. If you would quit being like that, if only his parents had not sinned. Let me just break the news to all of us self-righteous people in here. If our sinning or our parents' sinning causes birth defects, everybody would be in trouble in the house this morning. There's not always a cause and effect at work. The answer is sometimes life happens. We're a fallen creation. But since we don't like that answer, we work to figure it out, just like the disciples were doing. Who sinned? This guy, his parents, Jesus stopped them, like rebuked them. You don't know what you're talking about. There's so many times we can't figure ourselves out and somebody meets us for 3.2 seconds and they've got us all figured out and tell us exactly what to do. And this just adds so much unnecessary guilt and weighs on people. Sometimes it is very complex. We are very complex beings. Most often it's not just a simple answer. Only God has us figured out. Only God has the answer to every question we ask. Only God knows the why we're the way we are. According to the disciples, somebody had to have sinned for this guy to be born blind. Somebody had to have done a bad job raising kids or they wouldn't have backslid. Somebody wasn't a very good spouse or you wouldn't be divorced. Somebody must not have been a very good worker or you wouldn't have gotten fired. Somebody must not be very good at budgeting or you wouldn't be broke. Somebody must not diet and exercise correctly or you wouldn't be sick and hurting. Somebody must not love Jesus very much or you wouldn't act that way. Somebody must not pray very hard or that wouldn't have happened. Somebody must not have had enough faith or they wouldn't be in that situation. It would have turned around by now. Oh, just pile it on. 
we want an answer. We want to know why. So just use the old fallback of blame. Blame someone so they feel more guilt. Blame them so they feel more shame. Blame them so they lose sight of any hope or control. Jesus stopped the disciples from doing that. Book of Revelation 12, 10, it tells us that the devil is the accuser of the brethren. We need to be very careful and not side up and do Satan's work for him. There are accusations everywhere. You and I are just living our life and accused of this and accused of that, beating us down and making us rethink so many things and giving us nightmares. You shouldn't be happy. You have no right to smile. Dredging up the past and throwing it constantly in your face. You've done this to yourselves. And Jesus rebuked them. Got them stopped talking because this wasn't just a curious question. This was an accusation. That's what the enemy does. I don't have time to put disclaimers on everything I say this morning, but give me a moment to say this. You very well may have contributed to whatever the case is at hand. You may not be innocent completely, whatever the situation you're in. You may have been responsible for some of it. Listen closely. But there are people who acted the same or did this or didn't do that just like the you and their kids are fine. They got the promotion. They're still married. They're healthy. They have money in the bank. Stop listening to the accusations Stop the self-sabotage by constantly blaming yourself. You need to recognize accusation and that it only comes from the enemy. And anyone wanting to stand there and accuse you of stuff may very well be siding with the devil whether they mean to or not. The woman caught in the very act of adultery, the church people slinging stones. Well, let's get her. Jesus, after he got done with them, they all left. Jesus asked, where are your accusers? There's none, Lord. He could have accused her, and he didn't. He followed, and he forgave. We need to follow that. I think we need to start siding with Jesus a whole lot more and give a whole lot more forgiveness, show a whole lot more mercy, give a whole lot more grace. Somebody stop listening to the blame. Stop taking the blame. That is all accusation. And Jesus doesn't do that. He forgives. This blaming gets so crazy and convoluted. If the disciples were right and this man was blind because of sin his parents did, then it takes the entire discussion off the man blind and puts it on his parents. We now need to go find his parents and whatever they did to cause his blindness, have them undo so he won't be blind any longer. If you believe you ended up where you are because of someone else and their doing, then you're correct. There is nothing you can do about it. You're stuck until they decide to do something to undo it. 
Think about that. If you want to stay there and answer the question why, by blaming someone and saying it's because of them, that's a whole lot of power you've given to that person over you and over your life and over your circumstances. The parents stand, the kids born blind. Wrong! Jesus rebuked that and he stopped those accusations. And watch this. This is beautiful. The man standing there, still not saying anything, getting his life and his family's life drugged through the mud through accusations. This man didn't have to say anything. Jesus rebuked them. Jesus shut them down. Jesus came to his defense. Jesus was his advocate. Let me just say something to the children of God. We don't have to fight for ourselves. This stuff is under the blood. He'll plead my case for me. He will defend me. Romans 12, 19 says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I'll repay, saith the Lord. Another place says, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Another place, if God be for us who can be against us. God will fight for you. He is on your side. He is not an accuser. He will meet you where you are and show you grace and mercy and you can get you to a better place. After Jesus got the disciples quiet, he said, here's the why. He's blind. So that God can get the glory. Isn't it amazing how often God receives glory through less than desirable situations? It's through something that's not beautiful. The birth of Jesus in a stable. The crucifixion. Many people in the Bible, you or I, there's no way we would have chosen them. But God did and he received glory through them. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, and he said unto me, God talking to Paul, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Paul then says, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ would rest on me. I must decrease. He must increase. God gets the glory in situations we never dreamed he would get the glory this man standing there, blind, but God was going to get glory. His power was going to be made manifest. Again, I can go full circle. I guess if we're going to blame somebody then, blame God. Why? Why is he blind? Because, so I can get the glories why he's blind. Blame God. Again, it is all accusation and blame because we may not understand what's happening and so we want to attribute it somewhere. Wind all this around. When you're done blaming, and when you're done wallowing in blame that is not yours, Jesus can do something. 
This blind man didn't try to get away. This blind man didn't make excuses. This blind man didn't leave because he was offended by what the disciples said. This blind man didn't leave because of what Jesus told him. This blind man stood there and allowed God to work in his life. Jesus spits on the ground, stirs it around, makes some mud packs, lathers it in the guy's eyes. I've got to hurry, but let me add two things about this. Jesus touched the man, but he was still blind. You can receive a touch from Jesus and still not be healed or whole. Just because you felt him doesn't mean the work is complete in your life. Just because he touched you doesn't mean that's all you need from him. Second thing I want to bring up here is after this man met Jesus, he had more on him, follow closely, he had more on him than before. In other words, the matter was worse. He was blind. But now, even if he weren't blind, Jesus put mud on his eyes. He's really blind then. There are times when you're going to think that since you were touched by Jesus, things just got harder for you. Things got messier for you. Where's this abundant life everybody's always talking about? Now I have to explain to my friends and family now I have to endure painful comments from people who don't understand what's happening in my life. Now there are things I don't do anymore and my friends are walking away from me. Now there's desires and addictions I battle rather than just giving into. And that's hard and it's wearing me out. Jesus touched you, but it seems like even more is on you than before. This is why you can't miss the last command of Jesus. Jesus told that man that was blind from birth and now had mud and spit dripping off his face to go. Really? He's blind. Now more blind if there is such a thing. And you ask him, to go, sending him somewhere. Jesus, you touched other blind guys by just touching them and right there on the spot and they were healed. Jesus, one time you even said, she's healed. You didn't come near her. You spoke the word and it traveled miles and miles and touched that little girl and healed her. Jesus, you, you touched a leper on the spot and he was completely healed. But for me, Already had two and a half strikes against me. Already falsely accused. Already confused. Already have a hard enough life. And you tell me to go. Go wash. Musicians are coming. You've got to be done with the blaming. 
because this is where I need someone to hear me. Because if you will go, the miracle is waiting on you. If you will go, the answer will come. You've got to be done with the blame from others and even yourself. Let God rebuke the accusers. You need to go. Dirty and all, you need to go. Not sure how this is going to work out. You need to go. Groping in darkness and walking by faith. You need to go. Where? Where, where, where am I going? You go wherever Jesus tells you to go. You may still be blind, but go blind. Go broken, go hurting, go empty. It may be go offer forgiveness to somebody, but go. It may be go apologize, but go. It may be go teach a Bible study, but go. It may be intercede for the lost, but go. It may be go on a missions trip, but go. It may be to repent, but go. It may be to be baptized in Jesus' name, but go. It may be to pray for the Holy Ghost, but go. It may be to go clean out your Spotify, but go. It may be to go delete some things on your phone, but go. It may be to pray for that person, but go. It may be to show some bad compassion, but go. Well, if they wouldn't have stopped the blaming, I just can't because I haven't been. Stop the self-blaming. You were standing there one day. Jesus crossed your path and he touched you. Now he's telling you to go. Stand in the building, please. Stumble if you have to, but somebody go. Reach for them, but somebody go. Be misunderstood, but go. Ask for help if you have to, but go. Because when you reach the pool of Salome, it's gonna all rinse off and you're going to see and receive your miracle. God is going to be glorified, but you've got to go. What's He telling you to do?